Welcome to Masonic Muscle, where we explore the mysterious origins, history, traditions, and symbols of Freemasonry, while at the same time encouraging you, brethren, to increase your level of fitness one degree at a time. If you do that one day, one degree, man, you know, it compounds. It's not one degree plus one degree. No, it compounds. And this will help in strengthening your body, mind, and soul and getting an awesome mental and muscular pump. We give you more light, but no light weights, please. Thank you for listening to Masonic Muscle. Make sure to give us a rating everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify. You can listen to me on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher. You can follow me on follow me on Masonic Muscle. And if you want to write to me, write to me at MasonicMuscle357 at gmail.com. Today, I'm just going to be sharing a brief article, but I want to point something out. It's a pretty cool little article, and it's called What Was the Early Ritual by Silas H. Shepard, FPS. And this article came out in May of 19. 46. And it has this to say, if we accept the opinion of the majority of Masonic scholars, our present Freemasonry as an organization evolved from the operative craft of builders. It was a gradual transition which culminated in the formation of the first Grand Lodge of which we have any record in London in 1717. Whether the four old lodges which constituted themselves a Grand Lodge had one or two degrees is a question that has been debated for many years. The old operative masons had three grades, inner apprentices, fellow crafts, and masters. But according to all the available evidence, they did not have separate ceremonies which could be called degrees. To those of us whose curiosity is keen regarding the probable rituals of these those old formative days of our present system of freemasonry nothing affords more satisfaction than a perusal of the old masonic catechisms of the era of transition from uh, 1696 to 1730 these old catechisms are comparatively brief and some of the expressions used are quaint and are now obsolete but there are many of the questions and answers which are very nearly the same as our present ones. While it is impossible to know whether these old catechisms are authentic or not, they are about the only way we have uh, of having a better conception of the probable origin of our ritual. With the exception of some of the expositions such as Masonry Dissected, which came out in 1730, and a few that have been reprinted in Masonic histories, these old catechisms are not easily available to students, and it was a boon to many of us to have 16 of them reproduced with critical notes and historical data by Douglas Noop, G.P. Jones, and Douglas Hamer, all of the University of Sheffield, and published by the Manchester University Press under the title of the Early Masonic Catechisms of 1943. The book was published by subscription and the edition limited to 500 copies. Only 500 were, were ever printed, I guess. 
Of the 43 copies subscribed for in the United States of America, 13 were libraries, six to the McCoy Masonic Publishing and Supply Company, uh, and 24 to individual brethren, eight of whom are members of the Philalethes Society. Now, as we begin our journey and some of us get interested in learning what the ritual could have been in the past, how did it evolve? Um, we begin to look for articles, find articles, and maybe in some of the books that we end up finding, they mentioned it and they discuss it a little bit, but they never ever direct you to this little gem. This little gem that was put together by Douglas Noop, GP Jones, and Douglas Hamer, the early Masonic catechisms. Now, there was only 500 in print. I don't know if anybody is actually trying to reprint those. And I'm pretty sure you can probably get it on PDF, but I'm not sure uh, what the quality is. In connection to this little gem, right, this little hard to find book, or if it's not hard to find because it's on PDF, it, you're never pointed to it. I will say this, that there is and has been private libraries for as long as we can think of, right? And um, we have the Library of Alexandria, which we learn about through history, uh, different historians writing about them and the um, mass of information that was in there. And then they got burned down for, for one reason and one reason only, I believe, and that is the threat it posed to certain authorities, certain groups, right? The information that was in there was of such value or, you know, such a big threat to the power structure that if they couldn't have it, they had to destroy it. No one was going to have it. Do private libraries exist today <clears throat> uh, that possibly have information that nobody's ever seen? Well, yeah. We have examples here. One of our very own brethren that wrote a book called Anacalypsis and then Godfrey Higgins. Huge book. I think over a thousand pages. It was in two parts. And um, I believe in his writings, he wrote about how he was able to gain access into the Duke of Sussex during the time, who was also a Mason. The Duke allowed him access to his private library in order to write a book, the book that Godfrey Higgins was intending to write. And then... Um, other members, I mean, other people of the time, like the Reverend Robert Taylor, you know, the Devil's Pulpit, and also uh, Richard Carlyle, the Manual of Freemasonry, who uh, wrote about Masonic astronomy and the strong astronomical elements within Masonic degrees. Uh, they, they knew him, they knew Godfrey Higgins, but Godfrey Higgins had access to this special library. And you can say, well, come on, you know, that's, well, you got the Vatican too. The Vatican has 
50 miles of books underneath the Vatican. And it's very hard to gain access to this library. And from what I understand, not everybody knows what are in those libraries, what are on those bookshelves. Um, the reasons they give is because no one has gone down there and cataloged them. Um, another example is Carol Quigley. Carol Quigley was uh, Bill Clinton's, one of Bill Clinton's professors and mentors, and he gained access to special library from the Council on Foreign Relations. And he was down there for two years. And when he came out, he wrote a book called Tragedy and Hope, A History of the World in Our Time. And he wrote some other books as well. And, uh, but going back to the, you know, the book, the big book that he wrote, which was like over 1300 pages, which was uh, Tragedy and Hope. What he wrote in there was so controversial that the plates were broke or broken. Well, he was told that they were broken. The book instantly sold out. Uh, it was being read by the powers that be. And I forgot where I read that um, for a while, if you uh, joined the CIA, and I don't, I'm not sure, you know, what, in what, what year or whatever, uh, that was your book to catch up on world events and how the power structures are formed around the world, who's who. And so that's how powerful and concise that book was, Tragedy and Hope. So are there private libraries? Yeah. Do they have information that we don't have? Yeah. If that information would ever come out, would it change our perspective on, on how we see the world? Yes, it would. I believe it would, and you also know that it would, um, simply because we don't have access to it. And so here is a book um, that came out in 1943 called The Early Masonic Catechisms um, by Douglas Noop, G.P. Jones, and Douglas Hamer, uh, you know, um, talking about the early catechisms and what the ritual was, and how come we're not pointed out to this material? Even if more material has come out, even if um, some of it is obsolete, which I don't know how it would be, because if it's the original, you know, catechisms of the time, and we can clearly see a, an evolution of our ritual, then why aren't we pointed out to this book? So, you know, there, there's a, a gem, a Masonic gem that I am, uh, that's come to my attention and I'm sharing with all of you. On another topic, Masonic muscle. You know, I saw C.T. Fletcher, and I don't know if you guys follow C.T. Fletcher, but uh, he had, uh, I believe, a uh, heart transplant. And so, you know, he's, he's slowly but surely getting back in shape. He's an older man, but uh, he was one of my inspirations or has been one of my inspirations. Jack Lane is the, my big inspiration, who uh, was a brother, Master Mason of California and the father, godfather of modern fitness 
you know, so if that's not enough inspiration for you, California brethren to get in shape, I don't know what more I can tell you, but CT Fletcher, I follow him on Instagram, on YouTube, you know, so he, he's, he's on medications and he's, he's a little bit, the medications make him gain weight. So, but he's uh, beginning to get back in shape. He's eating healthier. He's promoting healthy eating. Uh, I've, you know, I just saw him. He's been training his son, uh, Samson. And his Samson is getting huge. When I started following C.T. Fletcher about, you know, five, six, seven years ago, uh, Samson didn't look like that. But through his dedicated training, his commitment, uh, he's began to make huge progress. And so I ask you, brethren, as well, commit, commit to some kind of exercise routine. Get out there and get your walking and get your running and you skip rope, uh, play tennis. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about softball because, you know, you know, you can't have a sport where the more you drink, the better you get. Just like in bowling, kind of, you know, that's I don't know how that works, but it, it, that's how it works. So I wouldn't consider softball you know, uh, something to help you get in shape unless you don't drink, um, you know, a uh, bicycle, get on a treadmill, um, follow the burpees King, follow, uh, iron wolf and see their routines, uh, fo follow the strength cartel, big boy and strength cartel, uh, follow, um, who's the other guy, uh, that's out there doing it. Kelly muscle, who has been experiencing some, uh, you know, uh, health problems, but he's open about it. And he's, he's out there again, um, getting at it and getting healthy, get out there, help your body, get healthy, help your body, get strong, uh, get plenty of sun, man, breathe in that fresh air, read something positive, read something constructive, read something that'll inspire you to work hard, to dedicate, to commit and look forward to the next Masonic Muscle episode. This is Masonic Muscle, Masonically helping you to strengthen your body, mind, and soul, bringing more light, but no light weights when you're in the dungeon. Peace out.